Father, we come before you this morning um, grateful, uh, thankful for who you are, um, that you do not change, that you are uh, constant, that you are faithful, even in spite of our unfaithfulness. God, you remain true because that's just simply who you are. So Lord, uh, we worship you this morning. I pray that as we turn again to the book of Acts, that your Holy Spirit might take these words, your words, and press them into our hearts, transform us more into the image of your Son uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, good morning. Uh, welcome to uh, the Parks Church. If you're new, you're just, just peering in. If you're not new, you know we've been doing this for some weeks now, but actually uh, this Sunday, uh, even while maybe you're watching this, if you, you premiered it, uh, we are in our first in-person gatherings uh, at three different locations, having six services. So uh, you can pray for us. That's one of the reasons we changed the setup here to, uh, uh, to be able to accommodate here and impact our, our in-person gatherings and things like that. And, and so I'd just say as way of announcement even... Um, as you are comfortable, um, we'd welcome you to uh, come back with us, sign up uh, for these services so that we can uh, see your face again. But we will be doing uh, these online services probably for, for quite a while for those of you who just uh, aren't ready to come back in for whatever reason, those of you who are going to continue to enjoy uh, worshiping together uh, from home. So uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13. We're just going to cover three uh, verses today, and this is going to be a, a quick teaching. And because in our in-person gathering, and if you if you join us before, you you know this is that it is a a family gathering. So we'll be having kids, we'll be having everybody in these gatherings together, obviously with social distancing and things like that. But it is a family service, so we will condense the teachings somewhat. But we're still going to be turning to the Word of God. We're still going to be studying the Scriptures together. And it's going to be an exciting journey. And so looking forward to that. And and again, we'll maintain these these online services. All right. Acts chapter 13. I want to start with a question. And many of you have uh, uh, responded about how you've just enjoyed the questions uh, in in these talks, and and those will continue. And actually, those will even continue in our in-person gatherings as well because of the good feedback we've gotten. But the main question for this one to dialogue will come at the end. But I want us to start with a question. We won't pause, but it's this question. Uh, What would you do if you were guaranteed that you couldn't fail? What, what would you take on? What, what, what venture? Would it be a business venture? Would it be a, a hobby, a sport? Uh, what would you go after if you absolutely knew uh, it couldn't fail? You see, biblically speaking, uh, there are things that God says that absolutely won't fail, right? These are known as the promises of God. And, and hear me, when God makes a promise, uh, it's a guarantee, right? It's as sure as anything can be in the world, uh, because of who God is. Um, in, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 18, uh, Jesus makes a statement to Peter about the church, speaking about things that, that, are, that are guaranteed or, or can't fail. And, and Jesus makes this statement to Peter. Peter, I, Jesus, will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? Like that is a, a, a guarantee. That is a, 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 as sure as sure can be, Jesus says, my church will not fail no matter what tries to come against it. Okay, so, so now that you've thought about that question, let me ask it a little bit differently for those of you who are, are believers or Christians who are watching this. Um, what would you do for Jesus if you knew it couldn't fail? 
right? What, what would you accomplish? What would you go after if you knew that the end result, because of Christ and through Christ, it would not fail? Now, as we've looked in the book of Acts, what I, I've loved seeing is that really Acts is, is a book full of people who truly believe the words of Jesus and live in light of his guarantee, in light of the guarantee in, in places like Matthew 16, uh, verse 18, that, that he will build his church and nothing will prevail against it, nothing will stop the church. They live in light of Jesus' words even after uh, his resurrection in Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 8, where he says, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. This picture in the book of Acts uh, are people who truly believe Jesus and that nothing can hinder him from building his church. Right at the end of Matthew 28, right after the Great Commission, Jesus says, listen, I will be with you always until the end of the age. That's a guarantee. That's a promise. And what we see in the book of Acts is that we see a people who absolutely grasp that concept and live in light of that. It has shaken me so much that I I desire to read the book of Acts, to peer into these these chapters and these verses as we have week after week, and truly live like a people who believe the guarantee of Jesus that nothing can hinder him from building his church. And so here we are in Acts chapter 13 with the picture of the church at Antioch. And a few weeks ago, we were introduced to this church. And there are two primary churches that we've kind of bounced back and forth uh, in the last couple weeks, the church in Jerusalem and the church at Antioch. And two weeks ago, we, we laid out that this church at Antioch is a, an incredibly vibrant, healthy church and is a model. It's not perfect, but it is a model for how we should, as a Jesus Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing church, how we should uh, conduct ourselves. And it's, it's, it's a picture of hell. So I want to read this in just these three verses and look at, at some of these healthy things that we see again at the church at Antioch and be honest about ourselves as a church and as the church, as the people of God, and see if they're, they're true. And so let's look at it, Acts 13, verse 1. It says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. All right, so here's what I want us to see. Five things from these three verses about a healthy church, particularly from the the church in Antioch. And the first is this, a healthy church is a a teaching church. Did you pick this up in in verse 1, the first part? It says that there were at the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. And then it lists a whole bunch of teachers, which is, which is really encouraging to us, and it should be encouraging, especially as we kind of venture into this new way of doing church, if you will, across three venues and, and six services. I'm not at every venue teaching every service, thank the Lord, right? There are other teachers, Sam and Aaron and our elders, who are teaching and speaking into their uh, gatherings, these churches, if you will, the Word of God this morning from Acts chapter 13. What we see here in this list is that teaching was primary, that a key component of a healthy church is that it is a teaching church, right? And not just one singular voice teaching the church, but many, 
these were qualified men who were, who were teaching in this church, and including in this list was Saul, who we know as Paul, and Barnabas. Like these were, these were two stellar men in the church, but it also includes other guys who the people in the church are hearing from. That's key in a healthy church, that we must have a, 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 a bandwidth in our hearing of listening to other qualified teachers and preachers to feed us the word of God, right? And, and, and two, it puts here prophecy very closely related to, to teaching. And I'm not going to go, go into too much detail here, but prophecy in this context is simply a human report of a divine revelation. And we're going to see that in, in verse 2, this, this, this divine revelation and this report given by, by, by these men. But that's what prophecy is. They, they're hearing from God, and they're communicating to the church what God is saying. And, and so what they're communicating to this church, what they're teaching is not a bunch of uh, moralistic principles. It's not a bunch of good ideas. What they're communicating to this church is the word of God, that this was a word-centered church. At bare minimum, for a place and a group of people to be called a church, at bare minimum in the New Testament, what we see is this, that there is qualified preaching and teaching of the word of God, and that creates and builds a healthy church, the word of God. And so we see that a healthy church is a teaching church. Second thing this list shows us is that a healthy church is a, a diverse church. And this is not just a mere list of names sandwiched between Barnabas and Saul or Paul. This is, is a list meant to show us something. It's meant to show us the diversity at the church at Antioch. If you remember from a couple weeks back that Antioch is a cosmopolitan city, it is full of all different kinds of people and, 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 and areas where people have gathered here in this uh, city of Antioch, and the church is no different. This church is a reflection of the city in which it's founded, that a healthy church reflects the area in diversity of the place that it is, is located, right? You have Menaean, you have this lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, right? You have the, he's probably very high in, in social class. You have uh, Simeon, who was called Niger, just which literally means he's, he's dark-skinned. This is a, a, a black individual. This is a diverse people. You had uh, Saul, Paul, right? He was a Jew from, from Rome. And you have Barnabas, all of these people making this church healthy and beautiful because it was diverse. And this is a prayer we need to pray, uh, Parks specifically, if you're part of our church, that we long for our church to be healthier in this area, that we don't all look alike, that we're not all from the same socioeconomic group, that we are not full of the same demographics, that we're all not married or, or, or single, that there is a diversity of this body because that creates health by the Spirit of God in a community. We see that at the church at Antioch. We see that in this list, and it's easy to miss. And the next thing, the third thing with a healthy church is this, that they were spiritually hungry. It says twice, look at it if you have your Bible open, it says that they twice were fasting and praying, right? In verse 2 and in verse 3, this church was devoted to pursuing God with everything in them. Right, And it's interesting that it gives this spiritual discipline of fasting. What is fasting? Fasting, simply put, is, is that you abstain from food and replace that time of eating. You replace that, that physical nourishment with spiritual nourishment, where you're praying, where you're, you're in the Word of God, where you're in silence and solitude, where, you, where you're meditating specifically. And that, that physical hunger drives you toward a place of, of God fulfilling that physical hunger with His presence with who he is, 
Listen, this should be an impulse in a healthy church is to draw near to God, is to hunger for God more and more, right? Where we even in fasting, right, we set aside our literal appetites to show and to hear from God. Lord, all we desire more than anything else in this world is to hear from you and to savor it. And listen, you don't need to wait for the church to call a fast too fast. Right? Just take a period of time, take sun up to sundown or something like that, and just commit to abstaining from food and pressing in to the Lord. The church at Antioch was hungry for God to move. He, they, they were hungry for the presence of God to invade their lives that transformed them. They knew that without the presence of God, they had nothing. And so what we see here is a very hungry church. Listen, I, I pray for us as we um, come out of this season... And listen, we're, we're communicating this same thing in our in-person gatherings, that as we come out of this, this quarantine season into a new normal, whatever that is, that one of the things that would mark us, even if we're coming out of this season very uh, weary and, and, and maybe very tired for whatever reason, that what would come out is a, a hunger and a desire to know the Lord more intimately than we had prior. Maybe for some of you, this has been a season where, where, where your, your, your appetite has just been wet for the things of the Lord because of the time and space that has been created by this pandemic. I pray for us as a church that, that as we come back together slowly, as we, as we begin to assimilate as the people of God again to one another, as the church reappears, that there would be this desire to not go back to normal, but to set a new trajectory in our lives and in this community and in this church that truly is hungering and thirsting after the things of God. That's our desire. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're contending for, even in our, our smaller in-person gatherings, that we want the presence and work of God in our lives and in our church, in our new patterns, in our new rhythms. In Antioch, they sought the Lord. They were a people who were pursuing God. In this pursuit, look here at the, at the fourth mark, this pursuit led them to listen to God. Another mark of a healthy church is, is, is that it's a, a, a listening church. And you can see this in, in the second part of verse 2. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So their prayer and their, their, their fasting has led them to this place where the Lord has asked something of them. And what's interesting about these three verses, in, in verse 2 particularly, is that they heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now remember, even at this time, Antioch is a, a healthy church, it's a growing church, it's a, it's, it's a vibrant church. And if we're not careful, even for us here at the Parks Church, um, the, the, the appearance of growth, or the actual reality of growth, the appearance, I should say, of, uh, of health, um, can sometimes lead to a stagnation in asking and listening to the voice of God to speak, right? What it turns into is, is maintaining, and we're not listening for a fresh word from God. We're not listening to, to what he's asking and calling of us next as a church. And so this time and this, this, even this, this quarantine and this uh, pandemic has caused us to, to step back Right and really evaluate and really think about and really listen to the voice of God in what he's calling us to do and be moving forward. For this church at Antioch, what the Lord was asking of them was to send away Barnabas and Saul, two key leaders, 
Two, two men in this church who, who were foundational. They didn't start the church, but they were foundational in discipling and leading this church. You see, a healthy church is one who, despite all of the things that are happening around them, despite all of the, the culture, even the church culture around them, they are people who are hungry for a fresh word from God, that they listen and then they obey. And this listening um, results in, in the last mark uh, of a healthy church, which is, which is this, that, that the church in Antioch um, was a sending church. I just alluded to it in, in, in what God asked of them. But we see that Saul and Barnabas are sent off. Why? Now, wh- wh- why, would, why would God do this? Why would God send them away? And we're not given the answer to that, except that this was the plan of God. He says, send them away to the areas, to the places that I have called them. This was a sheer act of obedience. You see, the healthiest churches, uh, biblically speaking, are those who are not adding and adding and adding and hoarding and hoarding, but they're churches that are adding and sending, adding and sending. And the addition is by salvation. The addition is coming because people are truly turning from their ways and turning to Christ. And the sending is sending people out, not just into ministry, even though that's a part of it, not just to the mission field, even though that's a part of it in terms of like foreign missions and things like that, but it's sending people out, understanding that their call as the church is Monday through Saturday. It's not just when we show up in a building again or when we watch a service online, but being the church is living as a sent person. And the healthiest churches are those who live Um, giving people, equipping people with the understanding that the Holy Spirit has sent them and is equipping them to be the scattered church, Uh, words that we use a lot around here, that the Holy Spirit has called us to be the church, not just when we gather, but also when we scatter. And also the, the idea of the gathered church is that it would equip us to live as a people like that. Antioch understood that. Antioch understood that even as much as sending away Saul and Barnabas, what a step of faith for this church. But why could they operate in this kind of faith, right? One, because they had the confidence they had heard from the Lord. But two, back to the original question, they knew that if the Lord, if Jesus is building his church, nothing could prevail against it. The gates of hell, and we have seen that time and time again in the book of Acts with persecution, with with all of these things, with opposition coming, but yet the church is still growing, it's moving forward, and its hunger and its pursuit and its faithfulness and its beauty is growing day after day after day. And so listen, we're gonna pause Acts uh, in the next uh, four weeks and so next week, we will begin a series, and we, we do this traditionally over uh, the summer. We, we pause whatever book we're in uh, to teach through something else. But we're going we're gonna to start a new four-week series um, called Reappearing Church and the idea of us coming back together, but not just coming back together, but coming back stronger. And our prayer for this series is that it would create in us an appetite for God. Maybe a new appetite, maybe one that has grown stagnant in, in, in your life, but the idea that it would create in us a hunger, it would create in the Parks Church a hungry church for the things of God, that we would listen to his voice, we would respond, and we would truly live as a sent people, not just into ministry, but as the scattered church. 
And so I look at Antioch, I look at the book of Acts, I look at how the people lived and in light of understanding that the promises of Jesus are sure and true, and so I'm going to live my life according to those guarantees and those promises. And I, I go, that's how I want to live. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of, one that is not afraid of the next faithful step, because you know what? There's a guarantee, and it's this, that Jesus is building his church, and there's nothing that can stop it. And so the question that we're going to talk about, or you're going to talk about in your living rooms, is this, and it'll come up on the screen, but it's, 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 it's just an honest question, and, 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 and it's this. What ways do you desire or need to get healthier spiritually coming out of this quarantine? And I pray that you would ask the Holy Spirit what those areas are for you as a family, for you individually, you as a couple, um, for you as a, as a Christ follower, and then you would respond in obedience. Uh, let me pray for us, uh, and I, I love you guys so much. We'll see you so soon. Father, I thank you for this time together, and God, I pray that you would press these words into our hearts and our souls as a community, as people are listening here, as people are listening in our gatherings, Lord God, that your spirit would change us and transform us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Have a great week.